My name is Sam Christie, and uh, I've been trying to serve the Lord in this church since uh, we started in uh, Brian's basement, uh, what, about seven years ago? And uh, this morning, I have the honor to uh, come with you to try to prepare us for communion. If you take out your bulletins, you'll see in there uh, where Brian usually provides an outline that we can follow as he's teaching, and the really important big idea at the bottom. Um, Today, what you're going to find is a blank sheet of paper. And it should say, this side intentionally left blank. So pull that one out and a pencil. And um, today, we're going to make some lists. I'm going to ask some questions, and I'm going to ask you to write down some private answers that are just for you. Um, If you're the kind of person who doesn't like to write, that's okay, it won't offend me. But if you like to take good notes... Um, this is notes for you, not about what I say, but about how you respond to the Lord. I'd like us to make a list of some of the gifts that God has blessed you with. What has God done for you this morning already, today? Just write that down. Or this week. This year, what has God given you for which you are truly thankful? You could write down specific answers to prayer that you've specifically asked God to intervene in your life or in the life of someone you care about, and he has responded. Write that down. Maybe you didn't know which way to turn, and you prayed for guidance, and God gave you direction. Write that down. We actually don't have time for you to complete your list this morning, unfortunately. But I want to add a few things to your list that you might not have thought of when I asked you to focus on the gifts God has given you this year. I'd like to back up a few years. In fact, I'd like to back up to year number one. Would you turn with me to Genesis 1? This is one of my favorite chapters. I've done this with you before. Um, Turn with me to Genesis 1, and I'm going to read that really important verse. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning, one day. Now, if we go at that pace through all of history, we'll be here a long time, so let me skip ahead just a few days. Let's pick it up with the, uh, with the fourth day. Verse 14, it says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be signs for the seasons, for the days and the years. Let them be for light in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth. And so the God, and it was so. And then I'll skip ahead even further to day six. Verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You probably don't think frequently about creation. But today as we think about communion with the Almighty God, let's just think for a moment about a few things we can take from these passages that we can be thankful for. I'd like to draw three specific lessons. First, the scale of God. How many of you, when you think about God, if you think about him during the day, you think about him kind of like Abraham Lincoln, seated on a big chair about four times your size? Does that, does that image work for you? that kind of come to your mind? What if I told you that wasn't the appropriate image of God? God is way bigger than that. Um, sometimes around our house, we move furniture. Do you ever do that? And you want to know, hey, if I pick this up, would it fit in the spot provided? And if it's something really little, you might go, mm, it's about that big, and hold it up, right? Is there room for the painting in there, right? Or maybe it's a little bigger, and you'll, you'll measure you know, against your body, right? But if it's really big, you wouldn't, you wouldn't measure that way. You'd say, well, how long would it take me to walk? Or how far is it to drive? Well, the scripture doesn't tell us how big the universe is, but God created it in one verse. That's why they call it the universe. One verse, God created it in one sentence. How big is it? Scientists tell us it could be as big as 150 billion light years. Now, light years is a really long ruler. To give you the idea of how long a light year is, that's the distance light travels in a year. Think about the interstate highway system. If you were to drive to Wilmington today, it might take you, what, two hours to drive on I-40 from here. Well, if you were moving at the speed of light and you drove the entire interstate highway system, it would take you a quarter of a second Every stretch of interstate highway system at the speed of light would take the quarter of a second. From here to the moon would take a second and a quarter. All the way to the sun would take eight seconds. Scientists tell us it's 150 billion years at that speed to get across the universe. And yet God tells us in Isaiah 40 that when he wants to measure the universe, he holds out the span of his hand to decide where to put the stars. And he knows them each by name. God is bigger than the guy sitting in this chair at the Lincoln Memorial. And he says he put the stars in the sky to remind us how great he is, how great is our God. So maybe some night you need to go outside. If you live in town and you've missed it because of all the street lights, go take a rural drive, head a little west, Find the dark and look up at the sky and see all the stars. See if you can count them. There are billions of them, and he knows them each by name. And now add that to your list. God has given us nature to remind us every day how great he is. We could count blades of grass. We could, you know, think about all of the things around us he has used to remind us of how great he is. The second thing I want to see from creation and the creation story is the intense love that God has for you. 
There are some around us who you may encounter every day who doubt the story of creation. They think that Genesis is just a fable. They believe that Adam was maybe formed, even if God was the creative agent, they believe he was formed by millions of years of death and destruction, selective breeding and, you know, creative destruction, right? Evolution. But if you believe the Bible, it tells us in Romans chapter 5 that death entered this world through sin. Now, you know the story. I didn't read it, but Adam and Eve were given a choice and they made a, a deliberate decision to defy God and they died. It's because of that sin that death entered the world and before that, no one died. Now, if you believe that Romans is the true word of God and that God is telling us the facts, then no one died before Adam. Adam was, in fact, the first man. But not only did Adam, was Adam created by God kind of in a general way, poof, like the rest of the universe. Adam was uniquely created by God. Adam was specifically, deliberately, the scripture says, he breathed the breath of life. He breathed the breath of life into Adam. And he uniquely made Eve. It was an indication. And David says in the Psalms, in Psalm 139, David says, you knit me one cell at a time. He doesn't go into that depth. But you knit me. You knew exactly what you were doing when you made me individually like he made you. In fact, he's not done with you yet. Just because you were born, he didn't let go and leave you off on your own. No, he is still knitting you. Making you. He has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for you. And he is building you to be the person you need to be to do that which he has called you to do. He is intensely in love with you. He made you who you are. And he wants to make you even greater. Can you add that to your list? God made you. God loves you. God is involved in your life. The third gift we can see in these few verses that God gave us, you might not, might not jump right out at you. It's the gift of liberty. We don't think about this much, but God gave us the choice. Remember, Adam was told, go name the animals. Think about that. God just spent the day creating the animals, each one, the rhinoceros, the elephant, the giraffe, the gerbil, He was creating those animals. And then he gave Adam the right to name them. What was Adam? He was a a whole day old. And God said, go name the animals. He gave Adam liberty. In fact, he gave Adam authority. Specifically, he gave Adam authority over the entire living world. Dominion, he called it. Most importantly, he gave us dominion over ourselves, the ability to choose which way we'll go. Adam gave us, I mean, God gave Adam liberty, and he gave it to us together as well. He put together a situation where he could understand and Adam could understand that liberty and the meaning and the cost of making bad choices, of deliberately defying God. Think about the situation in the Garden of Eden. God set up the garden. It was absolutely perfect. Remember the story? He told them, any tree, any fruit you like, except this one, this one. That one's forbidden. 
the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, God was like a good parent. Some of you are parents. Some of you had parents. No, let me rephrase that. All of you had parents. Some of them were good. Um, But God was the first parent. He set Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he gave them lots of opportunities, lots of options, lots of choices. Whatever they wanted to name the animals, that was good. But he told them, "Don't, don't eat this. This one is forbidden. This one alone. Now, like parents, we understand that situation. As your kids grow up, what happens? You have, to, you have to put them in situations where they make decisions, right? You have to let go. Even though the first couple times you might make the decision for them, later on you might give them some coaching. But as they grow and mature, they have to make their own decisions. And if they're going to truly make a real decision, then the decision has to include bad options. You can't really know, did they learn the way that is right until they're given the choice to choose wrong and deal with the consequences. And that's what God did with Adam and Eve. He gave them a choice and a set of consequences. Now, when you and I as parents give our children those opportunities, we hope and we pray that they will make the right decisions. We don't know the outcome. God, on the other hand, knew. God knew they would make the wrong choice. And I believe there was another test. It wasn't just would they eat the forbidden fruit. It was what would they do when they were challenged to respond when they were accused correctly of defying his his authority. So he gave them a choice and then a second choice. How will they respond? And he offered them that choice. You remember he said to Adam, hey, did you eat the fruit that I told you not to eat? And Adam said, how did Adam respond? Did he just automatically say, hey, yeah, you're right, I did it, I shouldn't have done it, I'm sorry? No. No, he said, God, that woman you gave me, she misled me. Or Eve, what did she do? She said, the serpent, he deceived me. Now, both of these things were true. But God gave them a choice, an opportunity to repent of their sin and be forgiven. And they chose not to do it. He gives us the liberty to make bad choices, and we often choose poorly. Of course, that day didn't end there. God began to teach them like a good parent. He told them, today you will surely die. And then he taught them the cost of sin. He sacrificed a lamb. He shed the blood of an innocent animal, the first creature to materially die. Died at the hand of God as a sacrifice so that Adam could live 970, 960, I forget the exact number, years more. So he began teaching us the cost of sin and how much he loves us. Finally, there's another gift that he offers us. It's the gift of eternity. Now, he hasn't revoked the gift of choice Liberty is still ours. We still have that opportunity. But when he puts the gift of eternity in front of us, he leaves the choice open still. On your list, have you got any more things to be thankful for? Can you thank him for strength when you've chosen not to do something you knew you shouldn't do? Are there some choices that you made that were good choices? 
where he gave you the strength to do the right thing. Or, or maybe you should draw a line below all those thanksgivings. Let's start writing in a few things that, that we need to be forgiven of. What are some of the things that you've done or maybe things you didn't do that, that God would call you into account for? Let's write those down. Your failures where you defied God's best judgment for your life. Don't be afraid to write it down. God God knew before you committed that sin that you were going to do it. He knows what you haven't written down. And his love is awesome enough to pay the price.